Hey, this is Kelly Hoey, author of Build Your Dream Network. And if you have other real life situations you want help with, you should tune in to Nicole's podcast every week for more great resources. being transparent about life struggles and sharing solutions and resources is the only way to bring us together as a community and as a country. Welcome back to uh, Real Talk with Nicole. I am sitting here with Miss Kelly Hoey. Now, I um, saw Kelly on another podcast with uh, my friend Eric Twiggs on the 30-minute hour, and she was just so much fun. I'm like, oh, would you would you mind coming on my podcast? She said, sure, you know, just inbox me on Insta and, you know, just a regular lady. And then... Um, so she scheduled, and I'm like, okay, well, let me read up on this lady to find out exactly who she is. And then I went, okay, author, speaker, networking expert. She has been lauded from Forbes magazine as one of five more, uh, five, one of five women changing the world of uh, virtual entrepreneurship. One of the 25 smartest women on Twitter. <laughs> How does this happen from Business Insider? Um, one of the one of the top 100 most influential tech women on Twitter. One of 10 most well-connected people in the New York City's startup scene. Um, EBW's 2020 included her on their list of 100 most influential global leaders empowering women worldwide and she says sure nicole let's chat on your podcast okay so i'm gonna stop fangirling and uh introduce the comparable incomparable miss j kelly hoey welcome to the show (laughs) i am so happy to be there i think this might be well, okay, don't tell our friends at the 30-minute hour. This might be our most fun, my most fun podcast. So I, I can already tell. Your energy level is putting me off off the planet. <laughs> my energy level. Um, I was. You had me laughing so hard on the 30-minute hour. I was like, I can't, I can't wait to chop it with her because she's, you know, she's just real talk. This lady is just real talk. They're BSing and there's so many people pretending they are something that they're not. And, you know, I think there's a relief. I mean, it's a relief for maybe listeners and viewers and people who like to scroll through social media when you find someone real. And for the rest of us, not to have to pretend. It's exhausting to pretend you're something you're not. It really is, you know, even, you know, putting on extra lashes and makeup is tiring enough. Then you got to pretend to be a whole new person. That's, 
That's well, a that, lot. That's, that's, that's why I like the fix up my appearance feature on Zoom so that I can, you know, get away with not being all judged up all the time. Oh, my God. We got to chat after I, after I end this conversation about those extra little tips and tricks. <laughs> See, that that needs to be in Eric's on Eric's list of uh, procrastination prevention techniques. Yeah, just don't worry about makeup. There's a button on Zoom for that. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's one of those things. Like, if you can save yourself a few minutes because you get a little airbrushing on Zoom, I mean, I'm I'm all for it. I'm I know. all for it. I brush me up. I you know, <laughs> brush I have me it for life on a daily basis. That would be great. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm. I want to run through some rudimentary questions, really, just so our listeners can get to know who you are. But you are. You are honestly so transparent. I thought I was the only transparent that uh, person that's just truly like, yeah, this is my life. I'm screwed up. How about you? And <laughs> I was reading through your. Um, you know, usually I have to kind of search here, search there, search there to to get information on people. She's like, eh, nah. All in one spot. Here it is. This is who I am. Read all about me. Um, so where'd you grow up? Where are you from? <laughs> I grew up in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, I want to say educated there on the West Coast. Career mm. took me to Toronto. And then uh, my now ex-husband brought me to New York. So there's the journey. The journey from West Coast to Central Canada to the East Coast of the United States. Ping, ping, pong, just like that. <laughs> hmm Yeah. And uh, New York has been home since 1998. So, I mean, you, had, um, I, you're, you went to school to be a lawyer. Have you ever had any other, like, different types of jobs yeah, along the way? Uh, you, you want, we'll, we'll stick with the ones after law school. So, <laughs> corporate attorney, uh, then was in law firm management, uh, building out professional development and training programs, women's initiative, alumni marketing, that uh-huh. kind of stuff. And then I was invited to become the first president of a global business network for women. So I took a complete and utter career flyer and did that. Uh, and oh. that also started, really started my entrepreneurial career, did that for a year. Then there was a year that I kind of like, you know, right, what am I, I kind of like the entrepreneurial thing. I don't know why I'm Canadian and Virgo and cautious. Lawyer, <laughs> so. You would think risk averse is really written all over me. Uh, and, you know, sort of a year of consulting and sort of figuring it out. And then um, a couple of women reached out to me and they had an idea for a startup accelerator that would focus on female founders who have mobile first ventures. And they kept telling everybody uh, about their idea and that they were looking for a third co-founder. And as the story goes, my name kept coming up. It didn't matter who they talked to. And so they approached me if I would be the third co-founder. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the smartest and stupidest thing I've single-handedly <laughs> done at the same time. And I'm glad I was ignorant going into it because if I thought about all the things that needed to be done, I would have never done it. And it was an amazing learning experience. And you know, uh, one that I'm glad I'm not continuing to learn. Uh, and so I did that and then became an interim CMO for an emerging tech company. Um, I saw that. What's CMO? Uh, Chief marketing officer. Chief marketing officer. Thank you. And that's when I, you know, when I was that interim, because it was just for a short period of time, interim CMO, that's when I was reporting to a startup founder who was at least 
20 or 25 years younger than me. So I've done that too. And uh, then I finally kind of took a pause and a stop and said, what's the common thread with all this stuff that I'm doing? And it was networks and relationships. And that's when the idea and the decision to embark on another career and that's as, uh, as an author. So that's when all that happened. Yeah, I, I noticed you said that, um, you know, when you were, when they were looking for a third person to join, your name kept coming up. Mm-hmm. And um, so that kind of goes back to my question about networking and relationships and how important that is. I mean, obviously, you built a whole career and life on the importance right. of building a network. Well, and it's, I think it's also important to, you know, when people talk about personal branding, people mm-hmm. talk about marketing. I put it in the context of your networking, like, what are you sharing with your network? How are you showcasing your talents, your abilities, so that people are sending you the types of opportunities that you want? Mm-hmm. Not you going kind of cap in hand, asking for things all the time, but they're keeping you top of mind because you have absolute clarity in mm-hmm. what you're sharing with them on the types of things you do, you're capable of, you know, that you want more of coming your way. Uh, I remember at a book event, a guy came up to me and he was like, okay, I'm a lawyer. So my LinkedIn profile says I'm a lawyer. And, but on Instagram, you know, I'm really into photography and I really, I'm like, whoa, like you're confusing your network. What do you want them to send to you? Legal work or photography work? Like, what is it you're trying to be? And you, you need to have that clarity because your network, if you've been a decent person, your network wants to help you. Right. But, right. So, right. So if, like, they want to find reasons to contribute and help you gain your goals and all that kind of good stuff. But if you're confusing them with your uncertainty on what it is that you do, they don't know what to send your way. Right. You know, I had it. um, I had a connection on LinkedIn where I was just kind of sending out um, inbox marketing. And uh, I was the first was about my book and the gentleman that I can, this one gentleman that I connected with, he replied, um, no, thanks. You know, no, it was the, the follow black dollars network, which is my nonprofit. And the whole concept of the nonprofit is to support black owned businesses. And this, you know, was a black gentleman and he, you know, was like, ah, no, thanks. I'm not going to be able to take advantage of that. And then he responded um, a couple months later with a request with his link and everything that says uh, that he's some type of life coach. And here's my link. And if you have uh, if you would like to book an appointment or a meeting uh, for these life coaching, uh, click here. Or if you need to schedule an Uber ride or a Lyft, click here. And I'm like, what? I want life coaching advice from my Uber driver. I'm not sure. Yeah, which are you? Right, and yeah. then, I mean, and if, okay, I get, we all got, Especially unless, started, unless, unless it was like the Uber Lyft to come and meet you somewhere and you're paying for my drive, you know, to have the cup of coffee and the life coaching. But if you are like, are, what, like, what are is this you? cash cap? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> are you life Uber or? <laughs> 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 well, we, we, we 
can get later that you know the benefits of sharing with everybody in your network what you do and what your aspirations are because your network has networks and you never know where your opportunity is going to from but you're, you're hitting the nail nail on the head like do you want to be found for giving hey listen i understand people having a side hack um you know to fuel and fund their dreams but mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing it doesn't need to be posted everywhere right you know life coach slash uber driver like is that the <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of like a personal trainer slash overweight guy. I'm not gonna. <laughs> no, but, hey, but maybe there's an efficiency. It's like, hey, get your right. You know, got a long ride to the airport. Need need executive coaching. I'm your guy. I mean, maybe there's a niche market that way. But you know, that is very very niche. That is very but, niche. I, I want you to either have your eyes on the road or the eyes on my career and doing those both of those things at the same time i don't think so but yeah. you're gonna be cockeyed as heck <laughs> <laughs> um so i mean i can i can imagine these these changes were super scary for you like you said you it was the smartest and the stupidest thing um you did in shifting these careers how did how did your family your spouse at the time take that you know, the biggest, scariest one, Nicole, was when I left being in law firm management to become president of the Global Business Network, because uh -huh. that was the one where I left a paycheck and benefits to getting equity. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was the scary one. And the way I resolved that, and you're right, at the time, in terms of having a supportive spouse and you know, knowing I was gonna have a roof over my head and those kind of concerns. Mm -hmm. But the real kicker to make me take that leap was talking to a friend from my place of work at the time. And she said to me, what's the worst that can happen uh. by taking this entrepreneurial, you know, thing. And of course, you know, maybe it's a female thing. Of course, I'm thinking I'll be homeless. I'll be selling chiclets under a bridge. Like, you know, like we go to, you know, and men don't understand this as much. Like women's brains go to crazy making places on this. Um, yeah, we spiral. And that could, and, and that could be because of our, generally speaking, our different socioeconomic, you know, the, the gender pay gap. It could be all, you know, the sexism and racism in the workplace. Like all that stuff could be this thing that we've got where we go to a crazy making place when we think the worst and we think oh we lose your job and you're gonna be homeless um so i'm looking at this person while this crazy talk is going in my brain she's saying what's the worst that can happen and she looks at me goes the worst that can happen you can come back to a place like this and do your old job again and then i'm like oh right i have a skill set i have a skill set that's known in the industry I have strong relationships in this mm. industry. I can go and try something for a period of time. And if I don't like it, I can turn around and tap back into a network that I have contributed to where mm. my skill set is known and I can go and get in a, the equivalent of my old job back. So that's one of those other things when you think about networks, it sort of always behooves you mm. to build <clears throat> networks, be a good colleague, Ensure you raise your head and your profile in, in the industry that you're in, because guess what? It's your safety net when you go and venture out beyond it. That is so funny. I was writing the word safety when you said <laughs> safety net. I'm like, <laughs> it it's, it's a very net. common thread, you know, uh, that feeling of security and safety. And I think that's one thing about, you know, us as women 
is that uh, we need that sense of security that at the end of the day, we're going to be all right. You yeah. know, well, well, I think men too. I remember uh, a gentleman <clears throat> who I met on during another book tour event, you know, way back. And he came up to share his story of being laid off from his job. And he was, you know, in his late forties, early fifties, he had, you know, kids that were still in high school. And when he was laid off, his employer said to him, Hey, take the time you need to empty out your, your office. And he said to me, Kelly, uh, I looked at him, I said, I oh, just need to get one thing. And he walked into his office and took, he was an old school dude in terms of how he kept his contacts. He had a Rolodex for people mm. who don't know. That was like like a recipe card index with business cards, right? Oh but my God, he, you just made me feel a hundred. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I loved a Rolodex. It was like, you flip through. I'm, I'm a very visual, <clears throat> tangible person that way. So mm -hmm. I completely get the idea of why you would keep a Rolodex. He went in grabbed his Rolodex and he walked out. And he said to me, Kelly, I knew if I had my relationships, I had everything and I did not need to worry about where my next job was coming from. Uh, that, that's note. There it's, it is. There Boom. Put Mike a pin dropped. in it. Right. <laughs> a conversation over. It was nice talking to you, Kelly. Bye. Yes. <laughs> um, I, so, I mean, Oh, damn. I, I just had a blank. I just had a, a totally blonde moment. Can you see my roots? Um, okay, so that's why, as soon as you said say my roots, that's why I gave up dyeing my hair during COVID, you know, or just before COVID. I'm so glad I did, so I could just go gray and not worry about the roots anymore. Anyway. Oh, your hair looks wonderful. I can't. My mother, every time she got a gray hair, she she would play with it and then it would fall out. And oh. I'm having the same like, oh look, I finally got a gray. Oh, there it goes. Well, no, well okay. I guess I gotta, you know, start stressing again. <laughs> so, um, have you had some, like you? You talked about a lot of great wins. Have you had any big stumbles or um, big losses that kind of made you take a step back? We don't want to talk about my divorces, right? <laughs> Is divorces? <laughs> I, I throw that in there as a, as a joke. Well, I mean, I, I was a lawyer for you know twelve years, and I never grabbed the brass ring there of of being made partner, um, and nor did I choose to strive for it. So that in and of itself is, you know, that that's that's a loss. Uh, even though people say, "Oh, congratulations, you you know left the practice of law." I mean. What other profession do we congratulate people from leaving something that they have studied for? So, right. you know, there's that. Um, there was a decision, I can joke about it, the decision to close down the accelerator. Uh, but, mm. you know, uh, initially, you know, sort of thinking about that, that wasn't the easiest thing. And then it came to a point, it was like, no, this is the only right thing to do in terms of leaving the ethos of what uh, you do with a startup um, and thinking of a startup as a company in search of recurring revenue and what the resources and support was. So, you know, creating a deadline and a date and a list of the resources we needed and reaching that date and not having it, you know, hey, there, there's, there's a loss, um, you know, there's a loss there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they could probably go on with some other ones as well, but you know, there's there's a there's there's examples. Uh, I think more Nicole. I now look back at the things that didn't turn out, and the things that did turn out. And what I really do wish with my career is more that I'd had kind of a, a patience and a focus on what I could control of in the moment. Because I think there's times during my career I would have enjoyed it more. I would think mm -hmm. I would have enjoyed 
my career in my 20s practicing law more, if I focus more on what I could control rather than being worried about whether or not I was advancing as fast as anyone else and, and worrying about what was happening with other people's careers rather than saying, my career is unfolding as it should. And the career I was desiring in my early 20s is the career I'm having now. Mm. And, and I think I was frustrated in my 20s that I wasn't having it. So that's the kind of like, you know what, like what can you take control of in your own mm. career business and focus like on that rather than what's happening with other people? I, man, that is, that is so hitting it on the nail. You know, take just focus on what you can control. Because um, I had a, uh, I was a police officer, and in my career, um, I was one of the first black women to take the civil services after they abolished affirmative action in the city of Cleveland. So you know, I'm jumping out uh, into a good old boy environment. Uh, but it was in my neighborhood. I wound up being assigned as a cop in my neighborhood where I was born, raised, went to all five schools and was still living, lived down the street from the, you know, down the street and around the corner from the police uh, station. And so there was, a, a, you know, this unwritten rule where the old timers don't even talk to the rookies until they've got about five years or so on the job. And, you know, as a, a rookie coming out of the academy, you keep your mouth shut and you just ask questions and you just, you know, you just write the answer. And I said, well, that's not me. I'm not a keep your mouth shut type of girl. And <laughs> this not is kind of, I'm policing, not if I'm policing in my own neighborhood and they're doing this is my neighborhood. And, and, and you know, right. Not only do I know my way around, I know every hiding spot and I know your mama and, you know, and stuff like that. So I remember uh, I was on the job about two months and I was walking into the roll call room. Like I had just gotten out of the academy. And so they're cautious about the, the women. You know, and, and um, especially um, just everything like black women. I'm a, I'm a small frame woman. They don't know if I'm gonna uh, file sexual harassment, if I'm gonna whatever. It was it was interesting, but um, and and I'm gonna make a point in just a second because when I walked into the roll call room that day, they were had been laughing and stuff, and as soon as you know I showed up, they. I said, wait a minute, <laughs> what, what happened to the joke? Now, it was a bunch of guys, probably about 8, 10, 12 guys, um, all white. And so I said, I tell y'all what, <clears throat> if y'all won't file sexual harassment against me, I won't file sexual harassment against you. And I slapped some white guy on the ass. I couldn't tell you who he was to this day. That was 24 years ago. <laughs> and I walked out. And we've been cool ever since. One of your interviews. <laughs> and I just want to pause you there. Your, um, I was just thinking the way we started this interview and you gushing on me, I'm like, I, you know, thank you for your service and thank you for being such a glass ceiling buster. And I am in awe that wow. you would, you know, that 24 years ago that it had to be tough. And because guess what? 24 minutes ago, some woman walking in as the new, um, you know, the new rookie, it, that's going to be, you know, tough for her, even in this day Oof. and age, uh, just like crazy. And I think the other thing it just illustrates, we all deal with uh, challenges in the workplace in different ways. 
And we got to do the one that's right for us, where right. someone might hear that and go, mm, I wouldn't do that. And I'm like, that's right. You wouldn't do that. But guess what? It worked for Nicole. It and, did. It, and, it, and it contributed to breaking down barriers so she could effectively do her job. It did. Um, I After that, I was pretty much one of the guys. They weren't worried about you know, me uh, running off to the boss for some snide comment about how hot I look in my uniform because I was really hot in my uniform. <laughs> and, um, and of course, I've been fighting these guys, you know, the, the boys on the street since I was a little kid. So, you know, we can fight, we can chat, we can, we can have a good time. Uh, but it was, that was how I connected with them, you know. Right. Well, and I mean, in some ways, it may have made it easier <clears throat> for other women and I say this not that they could expect other women to come in and you know slap their ass and all that kind of stuff but there was more likely that you could look at them and go you're crossing the line guys you know there's mm -hmm. there's sometimes you know hey you know some people don't appreciate this humor or some people don't understand why you do this I have I have brothers particularly an older brother who you know like to make all sorts of you know jokes that now in hindsight that I'm like yeah those are really awful uh, but <laughs> When I'm around men who tell those jokes, you know, I'm quite comfortable telling them they're a jerk because I uh -huh. had to tell my older brother he was a jerk. So that's not the case that, you know, other women can be in. So right. your confidence that way where someone could listen to this and not agree with the method, it's like, no, no, you could, could then look at these guys and go, time out. Like, we're pals and I know you're just trying to do this, but not cool, not okay cut the BS. Right. Like, remember, I, I'm still a person. I, I mean, as as magnanimous as I may seem, I still put my pants on one leg at a time. And, and that's what I have to remember when I talk to people like you. And that's, you know, why I can't I can't read too much like, OK, I can read the accolades, but I got to remember that she doesn't float into her clothes. <laughs> You know, you know what I think of, like, I was listening to an extraordinary interview with um, a Hong Kong-based media tycoon, uh -huh. someone who had, you know, kind of brought himself up from, truly from bootstrapped his way up from nothing uh. um, to becoming this billionaire <clears throat> who has now because of the changes in the law in Hong Kong, he's now found his entire media empire being shut down and uh -huh. he himself has been in prison. And there was an interview that he did with the, the BBC before that moment happened and they were sitting in his home and it's very palatial as you can only imagine, uh -huh. you know, a tasteful billionaire's home would be. And the interviewer said something about like, why in terms of leaving this? And he made the comment of, you know, what like leaving leaving like a construction of comfort to living a life of purpose and i think you know to realize that you know yes that is the life you want to live whether mm -hmm. your paycheck is you know a dollar or whether your net worth is a dollar or your net worth's a billion dollars are you living a life of purpose how right. are you contributing and that to me is you know you get up and so the person who's not living a life of purpose uh -huh. in that sense of contributing and engaging um i don't care how you put your pants on i'm really not interested in a conversation right <laughs> right you know jim Rohn said if um one of his comments was if if you don't produce you won't be happy and 
as you know, I had to put that to the test because when I once I got married, I didn't get married till I was forty-two. My husband was an absolute. He passed away a little over two years ago now, um, so very sorry. suddenly. Girl, me too. He was so fine. Oh my god, that was a he was fine. Worth, he was he, he was worth waiting for, and you uh, know, it, then he just it, oh man, it was a face you can wake up in the middle of the night and look at and go, you do wake up like that. <laughs> you really do. He was a fitness model, um, a personal trainer. Uh, when I was a fat girl, I was about a size 16, and <clears throat> I was marketing legal plans at, this, at the time for uh, at, uh, Legal Shield, prepaid legal. You may have heard, but they're up in Canada. And um, <clears throat> when I walked into his office, completely dropped all professionalism. <laughs> Holy crap, did I just walk into a chocolate factory? Oh, my God, I did. <laughs> I did. My, my jaw hit the floor. He was sitting behind the desk. There was two other brothers there, and it was like three different flavors of chocolate. They were all, they were 6'2", 6'3", and 6'4", and it was just, oh, okay, well, let me get back to where I'm supposed to be. And um, he signed up for my services that day, and I signed up for his services and three months later, we were dating, and a year, year later, we were married. Oh, uh, I went from wow. a 16 to a size 4. So he worked, and I got to do what a lot of clients wish they could do, which was marry their personal trainer. <laughs> there, <laughs> there, there it is. Yeah, he was an absolutely brilliant man, though. Um, but, and I, girl, and it made me forget my train of thought. I thought about all that sectional chocolate and for, completely forgot what I was, what oh, I was you, talking you, about. You, you, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, and one of these things, you know, like I think about this, you know, this is one of those things, Nicole, when we think about our networks and we think about our lives, I think, you know, you need to sit back and think about who is everyone you're surrounding yourself with and, mm -hmm. and where sometimes there is that disconnect because that disconnect and unhappiness or that disconnect um with who is feeding us and fueling us you know it can manifest itself in all sorts of different ways yeah um, and all of a sudden a new network and someone newly believing in you and you're like right i am motivated to make a change in my life i remember what it was about being productive if you don't produce you won't be happy um, and it's, that's how we led to that part of the conversation. Um, like I said, when I, when my husband and I first met, I was, you know, very busy with, uh, most level marketing at the time and just coming out of, uh, going into retirement and, you know, all that. <clears throat> then, you know, he and I got married and then we were, I was helping him with his brick and mortar and, you know, legal show at the same time, we decided to leave Cleveland and, you know, just put everything in a truck and hit the road. Well, that's when I decided to retire from all of my businesses and just be a wife. And then, and that lasted for about four months. <laughs> I was going to say, she's going to say four minutes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, and that is it. Four months is like four minutes in, in the uh, grand scheme of things of an, of an entrepreneurial minded person like blip. And it's four months later. And I was so bored out of my mind, even though I loved being a wife. You know, I loved having the house mm -hmm. clean and dinner cooked. And, oh, you know, yes, husband, that was so much fun. He was such a kingly person. He, you know, he did treat yeah. me like a queen. And he went off and he built his business every day and he'd come home. And like I said, after uh, just not that moment of that time of not being productive, that's how I wound up coming up with the nonprofit organization 
sitting there just thinking of um, things that need to be done. That's awesome. Um, That's absolutely awesome. But yeah, you, you know, sort of like you think about it when you don't have your purpose, when you don't have that meaning, um, how it can be frustrating. And it mm-hmm. also can be one of those things that starts to be kind of damaging, uh, whether yeah. it's, you know, uh, to our health, to our well-being, you know, all of that, um, those frustrations and, and yeah. finding that purpose or saying, you know what, I need to expand my circle uh, or I need to share what my purpose is so my network can help me right. um, is really helpful. And then again, it comes down to the people that are around you. Because my husband was such a productive, entrepreneurial minded person, I almost felt lazy <laughs> that I'm, I'm just being this low, even though, you know, I had my I had uh, you know, other sources of income. I had my retirement. I still had my legal shield business and my residual income because I wasn't continually productive. And he is just busy beaver. I felt like I was, you know, wasn't, you know, hitting the mark. So having people around you that are um, positive and productive and, you know, even if they're not doing something, um, entrepreneurial on their own being positive just helps you you know with what you're doing right well because you look at someone who's so enjoying their what they're doing and you sort of think to yourself okay what do i enjoy doing right Right? it's not not having to not holding up a mirror saying you need to be like me but holding up a mirror so you look at yourself and say right what gets me as excited Mm -hmm. and motivated um and you know active Mm mm-hmm you know, and it, it, for some people, you know, I know one entrepreneur, she'll say her like favorite part of her life so far was when she was a mom. Like she truly loved being that mom. And that's mm. like rock and roll. That's your thing. Do it. If being, staying at home, being a mom is your thing. Fantastic. But know that that's what you want. Right. And you're throwing yourself into it rather than, you know, as for me, I much prefer being a godmother and aunt. <laughs> Girl, uh, yeah, and a grandmother. Yeah, grandma role is a lot more fun to me than mama role ever was. My granddaughter will be here in two weeks. Oh, M. Jeannie. Uh, yeah. yeah, she'll be awesome. 13. And the oldest one uh, is 18. She'll be going off to college this year. She's in mentorship programs. Uh, they're both entrepreneurial minded. I'm super excited about. And then because I get to connect them with people like yourself, and then I had uh, Victor Johnson, who talks about credit repair and pathways to happiness. And, you know, he sent her an autographed book. Um, I would love an autographed copy of your book. We, we will make we when, I some, when, 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 when I get some more copies from my publisher I was talking to them today I got to order some new more copies for, for exactly yeah. this purpose I, we will make it happen yes and I, I would love to I just first book get your own damn fish do 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 wait 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 oh, I there's love that. It and then the how to get your own damn fish workbook this just awesome. came out last week I'm super stoked about it Congratulations. Uh, thank Congratulations. you. That's, you know what? You make something come out like that. That's like, yeah. That's... You made a statement yeah, on your website. You made a statement that if I'd have asked you in 09, if you, you know, if you knew you would be doing, if you believe you'd be doing stuff like this now. <laughs> and you know what? You know, some people have an aspiration to write a book. I'm, I'm going to say, honestly, I never did because I really, I mean, 
I read a lot of fiction. So if when you do that, and if that's your sort of, when you think about sort of the hierarchy of writing, you uh-huh. know, that's where I start. And, and growing up in Canada, you know, I was reading Margaret Atwood when I was in my early teens. So I'm like, that to me is writing. And I'm like, you know, let's like, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm an author of Penguin Random House. I walk in and there's like Maya Angelou's like, like, I'm like, I gotta be humble. Like there's like goddesses of like of, of authorship and writing. And then when I think about a business book, I, you know, I don't think I ever imagined I would be in a position to say I am an expert on a, this kind of, you know, business subject. Right. Uh, but for me, it, it came around in sort of 2004. 14, let me think. Yeah, it must have been 2014, 2015, where it was just like, I have to write this book. I have to write. I was like fixated. I was sort of, you know, Signori Weaver and Alien. That thing was coming out of me one way or another. <laughs> Do you, um, I know when I finally, like, I, I came to, I live in Hawaii now. I came out here just, you know, to retire, find a reason to live again after I lost my husband. It was kind of crazy. And I wrote the book just uh just to help heal myself i Mm -hmm. never never you know uh, i never envisioned that it would really be more than me just getting my feelings out of my head um and then and this was just in october all of the podcast the the workbook um all of this came out of writing that autobiography um did you find it that writing your book spun things in a new direction yeah, I mean, it completely, like, once I became obsessed with the idea of writing this book, uh, and again, it was funny, because I reached out to people in my network and said, I kind of have this idea, I want to write a book. And I said in a very quiet voice, because <laughs> right. it's like admitting what you finally want to do. And I remember the number of people in my network were so relieved. They were like, oh, thank God, we've been waiting for you to do this. Really? I'm like, yeah, exactly. That was my attitude. I was like, really? <laughs> And then I look back and I think, oh, I was laying the groundwork for this. And I, you know, sort of the benefit of hindsight, it was like, oh, I was actually laying the groundwork for all of this. Mm-hmm. And it was just finally time for me to claim my territory uh, because it was the advice I'd been given for years. And, you know, people ask me a lot recently because of um, our virtual world. And I was looking back and I'm like, no, no. Some of the ways I've been talking about how we network in a virtual world, I haven't been talking about that since the date my book was published. I've been talking about that since like 2009. Um, mm-hmm. So it was like it was like finally kind of staking that claim and doing it. But it, it, if I'd had a career bucket list in my 20s, writing a book would not have been on it. That's funny. I, I just I wrote my bucket list uh, about four years ago. Says things that I want to accomplish by my fiftieth birthday, and publish a best-selling uh, a bestseller is on it. And I actually started writing my autobio back in '09. So this this little little bitty book, yeah, took me eleven years to write. But people kept saying, "You need to write a book. You need to write a book. You need to write a book." You know what? That's you know, doing things as they should unfold mm-hmm. is the right way to do it. Because I think sometimes we force things. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can agree. And uh, I mean, I'm, like, you know, Build Your Dream Network came out in 2017. And, mm-hmm. you know, no sooner had to come out. And people are like, well, when are you publishing your next book? And I'm like, I'm still working on I've still got the first one going and it's going gangbusters. And then they said to me, 
well, you know, you should like, what's your publishing schedule? Cause you need to put a new book out every two years. And I'm like, who came up with that stupid rule? Like, <laughs> where, where did that come from? And I always knew that I would write the next book when I felt it. And I'm finally feeling the next book. And so that's what I'm doing. And there was awesome. a, a time, the time period that I was sort of like, oh my God, I need to. And I'm like, no, no. The first book unfolded as it should. The second book will unfold as it should. And, you know, we'll, 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 we'll get pen to paper and we'll really make it happen, you know, as it should happen rather than right. somebody else's artificial schedule. Right. Um, you had mentioned that um, your network sometimes see, and, and it's funny because now that I've been watching your stuff and talking to you now, it seems like we've just had this long conversation. <laughs> Um, and, and really, and, I, and like I said, the main reason why I wanted to, why I reached out to you is because you're, you're just such this, hey, how you doing type person. And the fact that you have all of these accolades and this whole list of, uh, you have a bucket of awesome sauce. <laughs> this is, you have a couple buckets of awesome sauce and, and you know, to, to dip in and bathe in. It's just, you know, part of who you are, but you're, you're just such a personable person. And uh, another one was, I don't know, I think it was one of your interviews said that you connect with people differently. Like, yeah, I mean, I think, I think well, well, in terms of how I think about networking, but I think one of the things with networking is, is, you know, we need to use our, you know, ears and eyes, you know, more than we use our mouth, you know, and a lot of people have a hard time with that lesson. Mm -hmm. You need to be curious and interested because you know you never know and we have such a notion of networking that it's something we take up in an urgency and that someone who's got a fancy title and you know probably a mr muckety muck you know it's probably someone who's pale male and stale in the you know corner office and we think they're going to anoint us or you know toss the magical networking you know and career business glitter on us and suddenly our lives are going to be transformed where your opportunity could come from anywhere. So right. it kind of behooves you to be interested and, and, and listen and share what you're doing with other people. I mean, I've, let me say, you got your personal trainer story. One of my friends, linchpin introduction that transformed his business came through his personal trainer. Wow. Uh, so, you know, one of the things I say to people, when someone says, how are you doing? You're like, or you ask them how they're doing, like lean into the conversation. Don't take, oh, I'm fine. How are you? Like that kind of ping pong introduction bullshit right. we do is, uh, I say bullshit, but it's not. There's mental health reasons that those lighthearted banter is good for us. It's, it, 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 we're seen and that's the purpose of it. But you can make those banter so much more. And, you know, mm -hmm. my friend, when the personal trainer said, what's going on with work? He didn't look and say, oh, it's my personal trainer. What do they care about? you know, my work, right. I'm going to tell them what's going on at work. And the personal well, trainer asked. said, and, and, and the personal, he told the personal trainer specifically what he was trying to do. And the personal trainer's like, I think I got one of my other clients who can help you. And bingo, mm -hmm. they did. Right. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, I look at, in terms of the activity of networking, Nicole, I look at it as every single human interaction. No, that's what I said, try to, I try yeah, to tell yeah, people just like, Oh, I'm not a good networker. I, do who does your hair? Um, if you you talking to your girl at the bar, she's like, oh, I need some box braids. I need some wig. You, I'm gonna hook you up with my hairdresser. That's networking, and people don't get like how simple sending that is. sending a birthday card. I mean, the the micro networking actions 
They simple human things. Bingo. They add up. And that accumulation is like compound interest on your, you know, on your investments. That compound interest on your human investments, those tiny interactions, that's going to add up to something stronger than Mm -hmm. really hoping that you get on a flight and you get sitting next to someone who's going to answer your prayers. The only (laughs) time I've sat on a flight and sat next to anyone that was really true, well, two people who were vaguely, like, really who I wanted to talk to because, you know. Uh, one guy had actually been on that flight on the Hudson mm-hmm. uh, with with Captain Sully that had to land. Wow! Uh, and oh, oh no, because I was like, "Tell me more about it," and I hope I'm not causing you trauma. <laughs> um, um, and then the, the other one was a guy I got on the plane, and I was thinking to myself, "I've been upgraded," and I was like, "Oh dear, look what I got upgraded next to." Um, and you know, serve me right, you know, for for making that kind of a judgment. He looked like he hadn't washed his clothes in months and he hadn't other than in a sink because he was a roadie with anthrax and he'd been on tour in South America. I had the best two and a half hour flight hearing all his stories. Holy crap. He was like a big dude who hadn't bathed properly and washed his clothes properly because guess what? He hadn't, but there was an amazing story behind it. See, um, and and therein lies your superpower. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I dot co h o e y. So folks can get the spelling right all over Insta. So I was checking out your Instagram page, and you were talking about your superpowers. I always say my superpowers is the ability to pull a smile off of somebody, no yeah, matter you what. Do. Even on a Zoom, you you do that immediately. Even on a Zoom when we couldn't hear each other and we're trying to set up for this, you can get a smile on someone's face. Um, What's your superpower? Well, I mean, I would have said, said, you know, my superpower is, you know, helping people build networks or understanding those network connections. But really, from what I hear from people who I have worked with is my superpower is I instill confidence. By showing people how they can they can build these relationships and unlock the careers they want. That is amazing. And I would have to agree um, because, like you said, you know, we had a few connection issues and I've been super nervous. Uh, I was up to like 2 o'clock in the morning going, I got to do this interview with her tomorrow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And we're just like, ah, what's up, chick? <laughs> exactly. Oh, gosh, you know, like, I don't know about – I don't know about your listeners, but you know, listen to someone gush the whole time. I would have been like, "All right, is there is there a point yeah. there?" I know. It, it's like you know, being it's like being on the phone with a guy who's fascinated, going, "You're so beautiful. Oh my god, I love you." Okay, can we change the subject? Yeah, yeah, right. Is that all you got to say? Is, like, I, I, yeah. So, what are your, some of your uh, networking pet peeves? Um. That how long do we have? <laughs> let's, no, listen, let's, let's let's talk about things that people can correct right away. One, um, don't make an introduction without asking first. You know, when people like email and say, "Hey, you two should know each other," no, 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 don't do that. Ask, ask, ask. Someone mm. may, someone very well may want the introduction, but they may say, "Oh God, I mean, I'm." 
the, the summer camp for my kids just got canceled and I have, you know, 16 hour Zoom days. Can you give me a call in a couple of weeks? You know, right. like the timing may be wrong, right? right. Um, you know, the cat died or they've got a big presentation coming up. Like always ask before right. you make the introduction and see what's right for them. Um, sometimes people do it with like the best intentions in their mm -hmm. heart, but you know, it can affect a whole lot of people's reputations and make them wonder what's going on. I remember finally having a conversation with someone who we were both dropped in each other's inbox. And finally, uh -huh. you know, she, the other woman was like, hey, let's, and I'm like, well, what are we gonna talk about? Well, I don't know, so-and-so thought we should get together. And I'm like, yep, yeah, but why? <laughs> well, I don't know. And she finally, this other woman was like, I don't know either. And I'm like, maybe we should, we should figure it out because it's like, but neither of us probably has time to make new friends. And like, like, tell me why we should, we, you know, why we should be introduced and ask first. The yeah. other thing I would say in terms of a networking mistake, which is a really, another really easy one for people mm -hmm. to fix. So first of all, ask before you make intros. Second of all, um follow up with people follow up oh my god oh my, and and what i what i mean by that is not the you know say someone um takes an informational interview with you mm -hmm. and you send them an email that says thanks very much for the informational interview i really appreciate it that's just common courtesy right like, that's just what's the follow-up after that i mean chances are in that informational interview they've given you a, a career tip. They Maybe they've made an another introduction. Maybe they've offered to provide you with a reference. The follow-up on that information is what mm -hmm. I'm talking about. Because all of a sudden you can turn a kind of a one-time, you know, meeting. You can turn that into a mentorship opportunity. You can turn mm -hmm. that into someone championing you going further, going forward. So if someone you had an informational interview and they're like, listen, I will reach out to the hiring manager and get them to call you. Like, did the hiring manager call you? You should mm -hmm. let that person know. Did they give you a job lead? Did you follow up on it? Let them know. Like, circle the wagons around on anything they offered to help you with. Don't just send me, hey, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Because, you know, you might want to go back to that person. Um, and they may want to champion you again in the future. So give them a reason to do that. Awesome sauce. I, um, when I started this podcast, like I said, all, a lot of this, all of this came out of from me writing the book. And a gentleman on, in, on uh, LinkedIn saw the book and asked me to do an interview on his podcast. So I obliged. And then directly afterwards, he called me and asked me if I would be his co-host and I was like oh awesome this you know this is a great opportunity and so two weeks later we did that and then he says well it calls me directly after the first show and says would you um set up your own you know blog talk account so that you know if whatever reason you can't get in touch with me you could go ahead and continue with the interviews I'm like okay so then I started setting up uh the podcasting from my side Two interviews later, he says, you know, I'm having some health issues, so I won't be able to and blah, blah, blah. And now here I am flying solo. And all of this occurred in about four or five weeks. 
So, and this just happened. So, so before January 10th, I think we had our interview. I'd never even been on a podcast and know anything about podcasting. And now I find myself hosting a podcast. So, uh, I did an interview with, a at a, uh, financial, uh, professional banking professional and it was horrible. It was so bad. <laughs> It was so bad. Hey, it's a, it's a I, learning experience. No. It was so bad. I didn't even know how to stop it. And there was a third person on there. We kept talking after the interview was over. And it was like really private, you know, personal conversation. And, we, and so the lady that I was interviewing, her and her husband listened to it a couple hours later. And she texted me. She was like, hey, so you might want to. And I was like, oh, oh, my God. I took it down. I said, you know what? I got to change all this. And so I jumped into a podcast, Profit Academy, and I took that master class. And about two or three weeks in, I reached out to her and says, listen, I want to let you know, uh, I appreciate you for giving me those tips. I, I did take the show down immediately. However, I also took some training and I want to, you know, that you're, that you reaching back to me and letting me know <laughs> that I had screwed up royally, <laughs> lit a fire, and I took some classes, and I, I'm doing this better, so thank you so much. And, um, you know, of course, she was, you know, really happy that I did take her advice, and I also reached out to her and let her know that I had finished the book with the psychologist for the workbook, and she just sent me a screenshot that she ordered my book. There we go. So it's just, you know, that follow up and making those connections and taking the advice and, you know, you know, talking to people like you. So I'm definitely looking forward to our continued, you know, relationship. Banter. You just, banter, because you just seem like a person I really want to have a margarita with. Yeah, well, uh, as, as I like to say, I'm a, like a bad rash. You're stuck with me now. <laughs> it's a penny. I'm going to keep on popping up. Um <laughs> So with all of this newfound pal, you know, and you said back in 09, you'd have never thought you had all of these accolades. And here you are, this fabulous everything that everybody knows. Now, how do you balance it? Or how do you stay grounded? Oh, I, I have, I would say, godchildren, friends and, you know, nephews who remind me that I'm I'm just anti, you know, listen, we're only as good as what we, we're only as good as how we're contributing. Um, and, um, you know, the accolades are lovely. I'll tell you which one really means something to me and I'll, and I'll explain why in a second, but mm -hmm. you know, getting a, getting a text or an email from someone who's advice, I've like given them advice or they've read my book or they read something in my blog and it's changed their you know, their life, their career, their confidence, that means something. And so that's where, that's how I, you know, you stay grounded because you're helping people um, and you're only as kind of good as how you contribute and, you know, give, give advice on a daily basis. Of all the accolades, it's actually the one from EBW 2020 that means the most. And not because the list was, the list of people they selected was like, Cray cray. Um, yeah, hello, Michelle Obama on the list. And me, how did that happen? Uh, but they had um, they had a group of people selecting it. It wasn't selected by an algorithm. It wasn't selected as a prop, you know, a popularity contest. They, you know, they went around and they looked at what people were doing. And I was very involved um, with that 
uh, women startups and women founders and female founders and you know having the accelerator at the time. So that was the time they were making their their selection, um, and that meant a lot, you know, from someone I really admired. And they had like a committee of like real human beings who were right. looking around and said, "Here's our criteria, and this person fits it." So you know, I'm still I still get a, a tickle and a buzz from that one. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I can definitely identify with that, you know, just when you were talking about, well, yeah, you were a cop and did all this and, and, and it still tickles me when I think back to, yeah, I did that. This, yeah, 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 that yeah. is nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a crime scene, I was a first responder, I was a lifeguard and a police officer for eight years, and then I was a crime scene investigator for seven years in a city of over 126 homicides a year. So that was fun. Oh yeah, that's one way of describing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you could talk to anyone for an hour, if you could sit on a park bench, um, and this is just kind of one of our fun questions, if you could sit on a park bench for an hour, talk to anyone, past or present, who would it be? Anyone who comes to mind, um, it's, the late great Catherine Graham, uh, she was editor of the Washington Post through Watergate. Oh. Um, her, um, and I guess there was the movie The Post, and I think Meryl Streep played her. And then the movie the, All the President's Men, of course, that was, that was Watergate, and that was all that was going on. Her own... Um, memoir, personal history. She came from a very privileged family. She was not groomed to take over the family business and be the editor. And she was groomed to be a housewife, like a society uh-huh. housewife. And through a, a just virtue of circumstances, um, including you know alcoholism and you know and a suicide and all sorts of stuff, she ends up taking over the Washington Post. And her feeling unprepared and inadequate for that job. And you think about someone who led with incredible values and took down a corrupt president. I mean, yes, I'm not taking away from the reporters, but if their editor hadn't been behind them, mm-hmm. you know, they wouldn't have been doing the work that they were doing that led to uncovering what Nixon had done. And that wow. was... And that was her. And that was someone who felt that she was not prepared to be a leader and in that job and not prepared to be running the Washington Post. And I sort of think, you know what, more of us are that way. And, you know, rather than looking like, oh, I'm not prepared, there's so much to do, you just start doing it. Mm. And someone who led with their values and um, that moral fortitude, um, you know, there's an element of you know, having read the memoir and it's a, as a book on career and business, I always recommend it to people. Um, It's the reason Warren Buffett has not written his memoir. He's like the late great Kay Graham, who was a very dear friend of his. She's like, he, he's like, she's said it all on terms of like leadership and all that kind of stuff. Um, I I wouldn't mind sitting down with her and kind of like, all right. And by, and by all accounts, she was, you know, a bit of a salty broad, too. So that would be fun. You know what? I'm seeing it. That is a common theme amongst us. Some sweet, <laughs> some salty broads. <laughs> that, that's just, yeah. you know, had yeah. the same feeling of I'm not ready to do this. I don't know how to do this. This is huge. But 
fuck it. Sorry. Yeah. 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 You know, and then, and then, you know, then the other things I think about there's, there's a, there's a wonderful podcast that's put out by the BBC called you're dead to me. And it's like the history podcast for people who, you know, maybe didn't pay much attention to history and they dedicate episodes to like sort of a single moment. Um, And they've done a lot with some incredible women in history that, you know, I didn't know a lot about. Um, And Eleanor of Aquitaine, uh, first of all, she lived into her 80s in the Middle Ages. Like, excuse me. Right. She had, at one point, she was married to the King of France. She divorced him and married the King of England. Hello. She was the um, Elizabeth Taylor of the uh, Golden yeah, Age. Yeah, the, the Middle Ages, all the rest of this. I mean, she had one of her grandsons was trying to kill her. I mean, she was just a total badass. And I would kind of like to know what, you know, her secret was to navigating the politics and to living to such an age and an, an entire when, I mean, women died in childbirth and mm-hmm. anyone living till they're 80 mm-hmm. uh, in the middle ages, I'd be like, all right, how did you survive and thrive and be smarter than all the boys back then? I would, you know, she, she'd be another one that would be like, all right, Eleanor, spill the beans. <laughs> you know what? From all these interviews, I am putting together my list of people that I need to meet, you know, in in space or in my head or somewhere because yeah. I get some of the most interesting answers for that question. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what's kind of some of your daily routines? You got a pump-up song? Um. Well, you know, it depends on the time of day and the day of the week and and what what the pump up song may be. And sometimes what I do actually to kind of break out of a rut is I will find some different, um, I want to say, uh, playlist so mm-hmm. that I get myself pumped up to something new so that I'm not, you know, resorting to, you know. <laughs> Seven, 70s disco or you know, know. Uh, you know you know like whatever so my fallback so, so. is a uh, uh smooth jazz put a smooth jazz radio just <laughs> you know so listen I, when i think of like the first album i ever bought it was um uh chic uh so the disco era um, and so, hey, you know, you put yeah. put put a level everybody can dance on, and you know, I can be a happy girl. So, you know, I had to plug in my computer. Um, and and you know what? It's uh, I would say the other day, the listening to something, and it's you know the what is that fiftieth anniversary of you know Marvin Gaye's so very pivotal album, and you know they were playing that, and I was like, oh yeah, like let's go find some more you know Marvin Gaye, and that can so I, I, I'm you know I there's a lot of genres alike, and you know I'm I move around and you find you know, your inspiration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That exactly. is awesome. Do you have a daily routine that you start off with? I uh, every morning, I, I and if I don't do this, I feel like my day is starting off. So I get up, brush my teeth, grab my tea, and walk out into the garden, and Ooh, you know try to get my. See, that's why we love each other. You a tea drinker too? I am a. Tea, I'm not a tea toddler. I'm a tea drinker. Mm-mm, no, we ain't totaling the teas. We slam it. Uh, this is actually a, a spark. It's a uh, an energy drink that I ordered from Advocare, and it's got all these aminos and vitamins and minerals yeah. for mental focus. So this is my morning high cup of tea uh, yeah. to, so that, you know, I don't zone out 
you know, just to get my day started. But yeah, definitely. Uh, you have to, you have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to send me that because yes, I am a hot tea drinker, and that I like. I like my morning cup of tea. Um, I need to, you know, in terms of like the morning. I think my biggest morning routine these days, Nicole, is um, starting my day by looking at a calendar, not at email. Um, I have hidden social media on my phone because you know things like that that can derail us. Okay, and and blocking off until a certain time in the morning that is you know when i'm going to be at my desk so that i can get myself in the right you know sort of nourish my soul nourish my body whether i do some yoga whether i go for a walk those sorts of things but not immediately jumping into my inbox and having my day decided by other people's demands and energy that's probably my biggest thing um, the other thing that I do, and I'm, you know, I uh, got a shout out to uh, my friend Angel Shannon, who this, what she does is not only sort of thinking about how you manage your day at the beginning of the day. One of the things she does is in terms of like scheduling when she does emails. So that's another kind of routine I have now is uh-huh. when's the time of day I'm going to do email so that it is at a time that is productive for me uh-huh. uh, and my productive time which is usually mornings is focused on what I need to get done. The other thing that she does is she has an end of the week routine. And so end of the day on Friday, she kind of plans what her next week is going to be. And she closes out. She doesn't do it on a Sunday night. She wants to hit Monday morning, you know, at a running pace as opposed mm-hmm. to, all right, I need to do this week. And that kind of clearing of the desk and putting and closing out one week planning for the next at the end of the week that's the other thing i've started to do and that has been well that has been a boon to mankind let me tell you (laughs) that is beautiful um do you have any areas like that you still well obviously you just answered that that you still feel need a little work and this is you know note to listeners that you know we are all human we all there's a common theme that you know all of these changes and and jumping off into these new um, adventures is scary for all of us. Um, and it's, you know, it's good to, to hear that, that, you know, you know, these, these daily routines and meditation to get in your head, these are common themes. And, you know, people like you and people like me, we're, we're real people. And that's the, the, the one part that I really want, uh, my listeners to connect with is that, um, there's there's nothing more special about me or about you or about any other successful person um, than anybody else. We just made these choices and we jumped off these ledges and sink or yeah. swim, you know. Yeah, well, like, you got to think about the priorities of what you want to get done. I mean, you know, some little things, uh, you, however you want to start your day or do whatever. But, you know, the advice someone gave is starting your day with your calendar. If you're someone who's using like Microsoft, um, their suite of products, those, the default is to open to your emails. You know, go in and change the default so it opens to your calendar. Manage your energy, manage your focus. Don't, you know, let yourself get derailed. Like, like you got to think about those things. Like, what makes, what gets you off to a good start? And, you know, start your kind of, your day that way. Awesome. I am not going to <laughs> continue to hold up your day, Kelly. Um, for our listeners, jkellyhoey.co, not .com, .co is her uh, website. You can find her on Instagram, YouTube, Apple, Twitter, everywhere. She is an all about, all about town woman. 
um, and definitely down um, get her book and start building your network. Your network is your net worth. Is there anything else you would like to leave our listeners with? No, oh, yeah. Say uh, <laughs> when you listen to this podcast, make sure you rate it, review it, and you share it with your friends. So you know, spread spread the love, build your community, let let your friends know why this is. You know, sharing a podcast. And telling other people why they should listen to it. You're helping your network, and that's good networking. So that's what I'm going to leave you with. Thank you. <laughs> I love you so much. I promise you, I cannot wait to for us to like really get together and be able to have a glass of tea and a glass of wine and go yep. forward from there, lady. I well, can't I, wait. Um, every way, uh, every day, and every way, we get better and better. That is our, you know, closing mantra for the day. And I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you. 